good, everybody in Chicago? This is the Spawn on Me podcast. This is episode 248 of our show. What is good, everybody out in Twitch land, out in broadcast land? We are chilling, hanging out, rocking a dope show. We are back on Twitch with some, after having some technical difficulties, as they say, uh, out in the world. Those things happen. Uh, plus, it was the like heat wave of all heat waves here in Portland. Uh, so that did not lend well to being in a stuffy room. Uh, trying not to die on stream, literally. So uh, thank you, everybody, for coming through and hanging out. What's good? I'm here. My man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow. The one, the one, the only, the man with the new, oh, you got a new headset, too. It is Cicero Holmes. How you doing? <laughs> I didn't see those. What, my headphones? My headphones yeah, you are, got nah, my headphones are, they, they originals. Oh. Uh, you just, you just don't notice it's. My face is slimmer, therefore my headphones look newer. <laughs> sure. Wait, is that a thing? Now um, it is. <laughs> it, it is a thing now, yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know yeah. that that was a thing. I, I, I thought that was like some like face experimentation thing. Was it like a face-off kind of experimentation thing? Yeah, no, brought, no. Like, um, yeah, you know, they took my face off. Um, yeah, it's... Let's let's see. It was not, um, but it is, I guess, a product of the new bourbon that I'm drinking, which is uh, Russell today. Today's bourbon is Russell bourbon, which it tastes like a rye wheat blend. It has a weird aftertaste to it. It has a rye aftertaste. I'm not a big fan of rye. So if you see my face uh, squinch up, it's from the rye. He's puckering. He's puckering over there. Also joined with my other host, my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes science look good, the man who makes STEM look good, the man who makes mini froze look good. It is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Um, interesting experience uh, yesterday. Apparently, I, I've awoken the, the Austin Hive. Um, what? I was, I had a really crappy day. Yesterday, my girlfriend was watching Pride and Prejudice, which she loves. I've never really sat and watched it before. So I was like, okay, I'll sit and watch it. And I was like live tweeting it. I wasn't hashtagging or anything. I was just, I thought it was like good. And my mentions got flooded with people. I don't know if people just search out Pride and Prejudice or or (laughs) what, but I got like... Like, it was like I was saying something controversial. I just got all these people saying, you have to see the BBC version. You have to do uh, this. You have to check out Sense of Sensibility. You have to check out Bridget Jones' diary. Yo, let me tell you, Austin Hive is real. That's kind of dope, though. Yeah, yeah, it was was dope. And, like, I was happy that I finally, because my my girlfriend's been, like, saying, you got to see this movie, like, for the past five years. And like I was, was like, it dope? Because I haven't seen it. Yeah, either. it was. I mean, it's if you like, like period pieces, great dialogue, and like shade, like it was great. You know, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> okay, that's the best description um, of Pride yeah. and Prejudice ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now I did watch the uh, the 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 2005 version. So like, uh, Ke- uh, okay. uh, Kira Knightley and Donald Sutherland and all those folks. So, mm. uh, but yeah, it was it was you know I I, I enjoyed it. But yeah, I'm like. I tweeted this yesterday afternoon, and I'm still getting like notifications from uh, wow. from uh, people like, "Hey, I'm glad that you discovered like Jane Austen. Check out these other things." I'm like, "Yo, 
Austin's real, yo. <laughs> Austin love the is Jane real. Jane Austen hive is real. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder who would be the like Jay Z to Jane Austen. Like who would be the the because Bay Hive is real. Right. Beyonce folks stand super hard. I wonder who the the like Jay in uh, that situation would be. like from Vonica. her like period you mean like who, like, who, yeah, like, who, yeah, like who would be the, who would be the person that you don't really want to hear from but they're kind of all <laughs> always in the background Vonnegut Vonnegut or uh or uh Iron Rand uh, oh. uh the Rand Hive yeah. yes the Rand yeah that's a whole nother yeah, hive that's, we don't a, want that's, that's a different story that's a terrible terrible yeah. terrible hive yeah. Um, thank you everybody for your patience uh, for the past couple of weeks. It has been a little bit rough on the technical side, getting things done because of, like I said, the heat and all those other things. We also had some, uh, some, some, just some technical difficulties trying to get actual streams out, but it's been super dope uh, to have everybody come and hang out with us this week, especially because we have a fantastic guest. Somebody I'm super excited to have on the show with us. If you've ever been to PAX or you've been to GDC or you've been to a game con and you know, the first place you kind of have to go to, if you want to check out all the dope indie games is the indie mega booth. We have the founder of the indie mega booth, Kelly Wallach. How are you doing? How's everything going? I'm doing very well. Um, yeah, been doing really well. We're getting uh, ready for PAX. So this is good timing. Come on the show. Good to see you guys. Yeah. And actually, I, I have seen every iteration of all the Pride and Prejudice movies, so <laughs> I've, awesome. I've never I've never tweeted about it. But I'm like, ooh, I know that one, and the BBC version is really good. So I would recommend that you watch that one. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's that's been the overwhelming like like res- response was that movie didn't have a proper Mr. Darcy. You got to check yeah. out Colin Firth. He's the real Mr. Darcy. <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. All right. Okay. It's just yeah. Every everything about that that story in that movie is just so yeah. It's very fantastical. I guess is a good. Yeah, it's 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 like the yeah yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I I really I really feel left out. I think you guys should. Yeah, yeah. If if you guys haven't seen it, I would I would check it out. Check it out. Yeah. I came from. There are very few times when I come onto the show and I feel really uncultured. Right. <laughs> I haven't read the book. I, I bought the book and I got like nine pages into it, and I was like, eh, I think I'm going to watch the movie yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the the other bonus is a couple of years ago when that like uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies thing came out. Oh yeah. I said. Oh yeah. I remember I saying that like that looks amazing, <laughs> but I can't see it until I see the source material. Yeah. So now that right. I've seen the source, yeah. well, the the this adaptation of it. A source material. Now I feel like I can properly <laughs> go into that and see how it is zombified. So it's a bonus. Word up. Yeah. So so not to be left out, I also just watched the movie that was based on a book. It was called Black Klansman. Ooh. Okay. Oh and, yeah. And yo, Ricargo, don't stop what you're doing right now. Because you should continue to listen to the wonderful Spawn on Me podcast. That's why you're here. But once you're done doing that, the next free moment that you have, rush to your local cinema and go see Black Klansman. Okay. It was excellent. Yeah. It awesome. was excellent. Good to hear. Your, luck, your local picture house, as they yes. used to call it. The local bijou. <laughs> I really feel uncultured now. You just dropped bijou. Anywho. Um, besides all the wonderful media that we have been consuming, um, Kelly, I want to, I want to jump right into it. Let's do it. Um, I, I want to hear what the origin story was for, for Indie Mega Booth. I, it, it has grown in these like magical dope ways over the past couple of years that I've been able to consume and kind of visit 
uh, you all at conferences. But I want to know, like, where did this idea spark from? Where did the, where did the idea of getting all these folks together to showcase their work come from? Uh, this is a so I'm going to go a little a little back further than the start of the mega booth because the origin story is like it's kind of fun like it's like superhero superhero level we're like into prequels story. baby yeah, we're, gonna, yes. we're gonna start with the prequel with the the gritty reboot of the prequel not the bbc no. version no 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 no, no. that's like too the fancy, that's too fancy. yeah but colin firth is still in it but <laughs> uh, yeah so like uh before i got into game stuff i worked as a chemist so i used to be a scientist and that was my that was my thing. That's what I was doing. And um, I worked at a nanotechnology company uh, right out of school at Penn State, which is where I graduated from. And then I got my dream job at MIT. And so I Sweet. moved to Boston and I was managing a chemical engineering lab. And I was like fucking over the moon. And I was like, I'm going to go to grad school because I was broke when I got out of college. And I was like, I can't afford to go to school again. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to work for a bit. I'm going to get this job at the school I want to go to. Uh, you know, it's all going to work out. It's going to be great. Uh, and then the lab exploded. Like, the lab Holy fucking shit. blew up. A steam pipe exploded in the maintenance wow. room. So it was in, <laughs> it was wow. in a sub-basement of one of the buildings. Holy and they were shit. like, yeah, so they were doing, like, some sort of just, like, routine maintenance testing. And this, like, six-inch steam pipe, like, like actually super dangerous. Like, it's a miracle that nobody died. It, it was, like, super scary. Um, it broke, and they couldn't shut it off, and it was going for, like, eight hours. It melted the tar on the roof of the building, so from, like, wow. the sub-basement all the way out. And, like, and it basically wow. rained in our lab for, like, eight oh hours, which, God. if you've oh. ever thought about science at all, like, raining on a right. whole bunch of science is not, yes. not yes. really what you want to have happen. <laughs> right. Not ideal. So, yeah, it just right. totally destroyed everything. And so then my job, my dream job, turned into, like, basically insurance claims adjustment work, and it stopped, like, <sighs> oh, it was so oh. heartbreaking. And I... I worked at a biofuel company after that that was like funding research in our lab, um, and it, that was a whole that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast. But like that what? that job also was just <laughs> was it was it run by Ed Bagley Jr. I, it was did it you, was basically run by you? Mr. Burns. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. like it was he's like the richest, oldest, weirdest person I had ever met in my whole life. Like just everything Excellent. about him was he was that. It was so bizarre. He like had no concept of money. He like bought this like plastic um sealer thing and he like made this big deal out of it. We all had to learn how to use it. And then he brought in a big giant rug and he was like, I paid fifty thousand dollars for this rug and it makes me feel sick. I want it sealed up in plastic. And I was like, that's my fucking student loans. Like, wow. that's why, it's, that's why, <laughs> give me that rug. I'll sell that rug. I don't want right. to like, Sweet. man, he was, he was bonkers. He was so weird. Yeah. So that's a, so at this point I'm like, I don't know if I want to stay in the sciences. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. <laughs> and I was looking into like, um, I was interviewing at wineries and like looking at breweries and maybe getting into food science. Um, and then I had a friend at the time who was, who was like, I really want to get into making video games because she was a programmer. And I was like, that sounds cool. Um, and there's local meetups in Boston. And so she's like, I don't want to go to these things on my own. So I started going with her and meeting people. And like something really clicked with me with the, the types of people who make indie games because they're they reminded me a lot of the students that I worked with when I was at MIT and just kind of like the people in the sciences that I like that are a little like weird. They kind of drop out of other stuff. They're like creative. Mm. They're right. entrepreneurial. They're like artistic, but they're also really technically smart. Um, yeah. And so I, I ended up getting a job at a um, basically like a contract shop in Boston and I learned how like project management for software works and software development. I actually started off as an admin assistant. So I, I started off as like a secretary and then had them train me as a project manager. Um, and then during that time, uh, I was dating a guy who was running um, 
Firehose Games, which is in in Boston, and I was helping them out at shows and like going, starting to go to conventions and stuff. And he had had like this kind of concept based around some stuff that had already been happening in the indie scene of like, why don't we get all of the indie people together and put them like on the main show floor, and then that way people nice. aren't gonna like just walk by because this is when PAX opened up the sixth floor in Seattle yep. and like nobody went right. there. Like Notch had um, Scrolls, I think was like whatever that game was. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, like way, way, way back. And there was like, he was up there and then a bunch of like merchandise companies or and like just nobody came up there. And so all the devs, mm-hmm. like all the indie devs that were there were bummed out because they were like, you know, we put all this effort into it. And, like, how do we get noticed? And it's really hard to compete. Right. Um, and so the PAX organizers have been awesome. Like we went to them with the idea and they were totally on board with it and have been supportive of the thing ever since then. And so I did it because I was like, oh, it'll be fun. And I like working with people and I really like making lists and like, it'll, you know, I'll organize it and it'll be fun. <laughs> and then people were really into it. And so they're like, well, are you going to do it again? And so I did it again. And then at some point it was like about like two years into it. And I was still working at that, that job. Um, and it just got to be this point where it was like, the work was so overwhelming and everybody was really into it. And I had sponsors that were like, we want to give you money. And I'm like, I'm not a company. I don't really know how this works. Um, and so I quit my day job and then started out like the mega booth wow. is a full-time thing and that was like almost five years ago so i've been running it for seven years and it's been like a full-fledged like self-sustaining company for five years now wow yeah. wow that's so fantastic yeah, so, so, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's like really crazy story <laughs> that's a crazy story yeah. it's like i was getting out of this place that blew up yeah. and now <laughs> now look at me <laughs> now, I, now i run this booth and yeah. all these magic and it's, it's it's fantastic to see just how that transition because I never knew that story. So now it even <laughs> makes it even more cooler to be able to see where things have kind of kind of landed and, and, and are still growing. Yeah. Um, what like where? like So now that you've kind of started that process yeah. and now that that's a thing that you you're seven years into. Yeah. What, what's like the beginning stages of like the cycle of a year? So it's like I know that usually um during the kind of big shows you'll have a presence there yeah. and you'll have folks um kind of have their games there so they can be seen by the press and by by, by the public what, what's that kind of like cycle look like because we know what the conference cycle looks like in in, in most ways yeah. but i wonder what the indie cycle looks like when you're kind of doing this and curating and bringing people together and all that in all those ways yeah i mean for a show it's it's probably like six to eight months of planning work around it so we open up submissions twice a year um, and then people submit their games and then we have a whole back-end system uh, and we have like kind of like a judging phase and then what's called like a jury phase or like where we make the final selections and that probably takes like you know three a little over three months or so and then two or so Mm. months of planning so it's like basically like as soon as PAX West is over we already have a schedule for the fall of like when we're going to start opening stuff up for the spring so like we'll probably open up submissions like in October so there's like a couple weeks after the show where we're like okay (laughs) like that went great let's (laughs) send out thank yous to everyone and kind of like recoup and everyone like sleeps a little bit and then we just like start the whole process over again and then in the spring too like because GDC is really close by to PAX East. It's actually kind of intense. And then, so I have a second job, which is I'm the chairman for the independent games festival, which is at GDC each year. And so that's been going on Mm -hmm. for about like 20 so years. Um, I think this is my fourth year running it. Um, And we also do a showcase for the mega booth at GDC. So it's like GDC is a little like bonkers (laughs) for me. And then PAX is like two weeks later. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. Oh yeah, gosh. and we're a really small team. Like we're I think like six people right now, and not everybody's full time. Wow. So it's like everything is very like I have a system, you know, like we have a lot of like particular ways that we do things and schedules and like a super awesome team. But like I think sometimes people are like they're either confused that it's a full-time job. They're like, oh, can is there enough work to like do this all the time? You know, or they think we're like a giant corporation, you know, that we're like yeah. this big, huge thing. And I'm like, nope. No in between. Yeah, it's none of those. We're like five or six people. <laughs> so awesome. when you're wondering why something isn't happening fast enough, like that's why. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So if, if you're six now, I'm assuming that when you first quit your job to do this, the team was even smaller or maybe even you like yeah it like, was me yeah so <laughs> yeah so so like what were like some of the milestones when you realize like i need more people you know like what yeah. kind of things happen to make you grow the team well i will like to be fair like we uh, the community pitches in like a lot like the reason that the mega booth works is because our community is amazing and one of the things like i kind of joke about this but it's true is that when i first started up my own company i was like i don't want to work with assholes i'm allowed to curse on this right Okay. Uh, okay. I was like, it's a little yeah. late for it. So <laughs> I hope so. It's, it's encouraged. Yeah. And like, and you know, I, I really feel like we've been like, we curate for the companies and the people and the community, because if you, if you're spending 90% of your time managing 10% of the people, like nothing is ever going to get done. Right. And like, and I really want right. it to be that everybody is pitching in and contributing. And so really early on, like it was like tons of people volunteered and, and helped out. And there's like so many people who made all of this totally possible. But I was the only person who was like, okay, this is like my job now. Um, and it was basically after the first show where I was like, okay, this is like, it's too much work for one person. And, um, and so then I hired on a second person who is like my first official employee. And then it was just the two of us for a while. And then we hired um, a third person who was a designer. And we basically had that team for like a couple years like it was like three to five or six people like we would have some like contractors come on on and off and some people that are more like kind of core like volunteers that we like pay every once in a while or that pitch in more than like other people do um and then lately it's really been this thing where like for a long time i was artificially kind of propping up the company by like overworking and underpaying myself and then just burning out constantly <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i did that for a while and then like at the end of last year like just everything in my life just totally fucking blew up and i was like okay i can't i can't do this like how many people does it actually take to do this work so that's kind of where we're at now is we're really figuring out like what does it look like if i'm not the person who's like in all the spreadsheets and doing every single email and like you know, also getting sponsorship and also curating the games and all, you know, like, it's just, I'm like, okay, what is, what should my job actually be, you know? And like, and then let other people like get on. So I think, I think now like we're, we're probably going to have like one or two more people that we need. Like we don't have a designer still. Um, so we need that. And then like, um, some like administrative help. And then I, th I think we'll be pretty good for what we want to do. Like we can have a really big impact with a small team because of the support of the community and because of like, the way that the whole thing has like the foundation has been built, I guess, over however many years now. So, so uh, I guess I want to talk about one of your jobs that you talked okay. about, <laughs> Kelly, and, and that's uh, curation. So, yeah. you, you know, you talked about the gaming submissions and we've, we've got a, a question in the chat. Um, how do, is there some type of ceiling and or floor for independent game submissions? How do you depend, how do you determine uh, what is independent and uh, how small can the budget be? How yeah. large can it be? 
Yeah, so uh, before you say yes or no. Yeah, so we um I mean we have a thing kind of similar to what the IGF does is like do you consider yourself an indie developer? You know, cuz like us defining what that means, it's like it's con- it's kind of fluid, you know. Like when I very first started, if you took any publisher money, like you were not an indie developer, you know. And now mm. it's kind of like okay, well now there's indie publishers or now there's you know like the you have to yeah. like eat while you're making a game. You know, it was very like I don't know. It was kind of this like, no, eat ramen and live in your basement, you know, kind of thing, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and tides kind of change on that sort of stuff. So we have that part of it. But then when it really comes down to it, like we let our community of so the judges are primarily other developers and people that are in our community um, who have worked with us okay. in the past. And so we kind of like we'll put it out into the submission, just be like, hey, everyone debate this, you know, and then kind of see where we think it's falling. Um, and then we'll have another discussion when we do the game selections as well. So like in the last like maybe two rounds or so we've had a lot more like indie publishers to the point where we've like kind of tried to come up with some rules around how that would work and like we're still trying to figure out if it's even fair or like if it would work in the long run you know but there's just so many of them because the funding issue for a lot of developers especially the cost of getting out to a conference is really it's a lot you know especially for like truly small teams Mm -hmm. like that's a lot of money to invest in like We have a lot of like kind of grant and scholarship programs and we have an alumni fund where people who were in the booth before pitch in to like help pay for mini booth spaces and um, but it's still like, you know, we can only kind of do so much. And so I think the rise of that kind of like indie publisher thing has come from a lot of that where it's just like it takes a lot of money to make cool things, you know, like to live and just do stuff (laughs) regardless of whether it's indie (laughs) or not. Have you have you seen a because I've seen in, in some aspects over the years there have been kind of trends in the in the games that are being made and it's been not copycatting of you know people kind of figuring out that this is the one thing that's hot and everybody kind of jumping on that thing yeah um but do you see that happening often so it's like now we're in the we're in the new world of battle royales everywhere right yeah but battle royales are kind of expensive to make in a lot of ways to have the infrastructure to do that kind of stuff have you seen some of that be a, a part of the, the curation process when you're seeing multiple games kind of having the same theme? Um, you know, we used to get that a lot more and I get that question a lot. And we did like when FTL came out, like everyone made an FTL game or an FTL style mm-hmm. game after that. Um, I think for stuff like things that are trending in AAA tend not to really trend in indie. It tends to like mm. the, everybody kind of tends to like focus on what worked well in an indie context. Um, And so, like, I see a bit of it, you know, like, I think, like, interactive fiction, visual novel kind of style things are kind of, like, have a little bit of a rise. There's always, always a lot of local multiplayer games, which, like, I will kind of put this out there, like, they're fun, but there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of issues kind of around it because they tend to show super, super well at a, at a convention because it's like everybody's playing it and they're having fun and like you're in a group right. and it's great. Um, but they don't sell on the same kind of level because you have to like, first off, only one person needs to own the game, you know, like especially if it's local multiplayer and like people don't tend to get together in groups like that to play games. And like there's a lot of like really intense like community building that has to go around those kinds of games. But like we've been getting right. a really high number of local multiplayer co-op games for like years now. And I'm not sure where that started. Yeah. I think it was like maybe Sports Friends or something. Yeah, like, so that was yeah. And Sports yeah. Friends is awesome. Like, like you know, it was super great. And I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. Like Nidhogg. And, and there's our, like, you know, Towerfall is another one. But yeah. And then, right. you know, there definitely are ones that do it, but we get like kind of a disproportionate amount of them. Um, but it, like, yeah, I haven't, like, there was like kind of zombie stuff for a while. And now I think it's a lot yeah. more like. I see a lot of like fun color palettes, a lot of interesting writing, like thoughtful, like thoughtful games, I guess. But also like we, huh. we like, we tend to accept 
games that are like that and i think attract a community that makes that kind of content you know as well too so like we don't really get too many like shooting games submitted or you know like first person shooters where you're running around fighting in a war you know like we get like four of those a year maybe or something and like next next year you will have 17 battle royales (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. uh do, do you Do you often, when, like, you guys are going through, like, your selection process, do you think about sort of how a game can show in a demo? Like, is that sort of, like, more important than... Because, like, I'm thinking about, like, you know, a heavy narrative game that'll take you a while to really figure out kind of what it is, and then it's great. But it might not show well in a demo space. So, like, do you think, like, like, more about how it shows or how awesome, like, the overall game will be or is it kind of like a little bit of both yeah it's a little so we um so internally so we have three categories of the voting so it's um game company and presentation and the presentation mm-hmm. part some of it is like did they read the directions you know because like they're going to be have to be following a lot of directions to like be getting ready for the for the show <laughs> right. so part of it is that read the read the questions of all the directions um but then the other part of it is like yeah like how is it going to show on a show floor and that could be anything from like yeah, is it like a, a really in-depth RPG that's going to take a while kind of thing or like a right. CCG game or something like that? Or like, do they have a really cool idea um, with how they're going to like set up their booth space or something kind of like fun that they're going to do with it? But I think we try to get a good representation of everything, even if it's going to take a while for the game, like for people to get into the game, because there are audiences mm. of people who just love that stuff and they'll just find that one game and they'll sit there and they'll play it. You know, like we always have like some sort of really complicated in-depth game like our tabletop areas like that like we don't have tons of tabletop games in it but people who love tabletop games are just like yay tabletop games and then they just sit there and play them right. all day right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so we definitely take it into consideration you know like and some stuff it's just like like we had a game submitted that like you basically have to be out in a field to play it and it's just Sweet. it's like it was oh. like an ar experience thing like and something like that it's like right. yeah and it's kind of like okay well do, we just even can't technically show it and just having like a video you know we're kind of trying it out and like figuring out like can is there a way to get around this um and sometimes we have weird things that are just like they need special equipment and all this stuff and it's just like all right well that's kind of fun like it'll be a good experience for people on the show floor even if it's something that like you can't really like play at home later because you need like you know a custom controller kit or something that someone made (laughs) have there have there have there been any of those games that you're you're like oh man we you know that we just don't have the ability to show this game uh in a convention space um but those games have then gone on to some modicum of success um that you can think of i don't think so actually i mean there have been some that we haven't shown for like content reasons that have done well Mm. you know and that's just like kind of a a a choice on like the the types of content and things that we have in the space like things that tend to be like incredibly violent or you know address topics that um we're not necessarily wanting to like get into or whatever or like the we've had some of the games like that that i guess that haven't been in that have like been successful later um those primarily tend to like uh have some sort of like publisher backing or something though along with it right um but yeah. I think that's, yeah, I don't think there's any, I mean, we've had one or two games in the past where I'm like, 
we didn't show it, you know, for whatever curation reason. And then I kind of like got some buzz later and I was like, oh shit, but it's only been like, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a small number. And I always go up to them and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Like, <laughs> There's usually like, you know, some kind of reason behind it and trying to have the conversation about it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the, when it, when it comes to stuff like that, do you feel like at this point, since you're, you've been, you and your crew have been in in the space for a while now that folks are looking to you for advice in same ways in time, in terms of trying to uh, uh, kind of in the early beginning stages, they were they're thinking like this could be a mega booth uh, 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 title where some, you guys could be showing this off. Uh, and those folks are trying to figure out like, Hey Kelly, so I have this idea <laughs> and <laughs> it might be pretty good if I do this, this, yeah. and this. So, you know, can you help me out kind of think about how this would actually work so this so I might be able to get into into the space at some point. Are they looking at, at Mega Booth as a place to like kind of be the incubator or, or thought you know, think tank space for kind of making those games too? Yeah, I mean I think so. Like the that used to happen to me a lot earlier on. Like there I worked with a lot more developers directly and I was more involved in that kind of stuff. And then at some point the community yeah. got so big and it just became too difficult and like the weight of what I was saying became too much. You know, we're like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it's kind of difficult, especially for like new and younger developers and like um, the power dynamic around that I feel like is a little unbalanced. And so it tends, right. the people that I tend to talk to now are more like uh, people that have been in the industry for a while or that I know kind of on a personal level, or they will talk to like other people on the team. Um, I think maybe I might be a little intimidating also at this point and I don't try to be, but I'm also like, I think that might be part of it where people are like, I just wanted to say hi. Okay. I don't want to bother you. Goodbye. You know, so they're not really like, <laughs> like asking me too much about that stuff. Um, but like during the curation process, you know, I think that like people do use like getting the game accepted or not as kind of a litmus test of like, okay, is this game, is there something there for it? You know, like we've had people like resubmit multiple times and like they don't, some people have not shown off the game in between, you know, like they'll just kind of submit it a few times until it's at a place where we're like, okay, it looks good. You know, um, we used to have like some publishers that would submit things and just see if, if we pick certain stuff or not, you know, like they wouldn't say that, like they wouldn't say who they were. And then they would just like put it in there and then like ask me later and be like, Hey, like, why didn't you pick that game? <laughs> oh. yeah, they're kind of like, they're kind of curious yeah. about it too. So um, yeah, but I do think like now we've gotten that reputation and, and part of it, is like, you know, we do have quality stuff. And the other part is I think people like to be included in the community and it, it feels to them like they've got, they've gotten like their game has gotten some sort of legitimacy and then them as a company has also been like been welcomed into a community. So I want to know what are the things that you currently like to play? Cause I know that once you, I'm sure that having to see so many yeah. games throughout a year could probably burn you out too. Yeah. What are, what are the things that you kind of look forward to when you're like, all right, so I have all these games now around me. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that I'm looking looking forward to playing. Well, so this is this is actually going to be a semi disappointing answer. Is like I personally primarily play management simulation games, which like maybe nice. maybe, maybe yes. is not a surprise based on like yes. what I do for work, but. Yeah. That's kind of dope. Yeah. So I'm just basically like, I, I'm still playing The Sims 4. Like, uh, you know, I'm playing City <laughs> Skylines. Like, that. that's my, like, when I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and play a game. Like, 
that's normally what I'm playing. Nice. I played a ton of Banished. Like I got into Dwarf Fortress for a while. Like... <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> you made it out alive too. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I was gonna say, look at me. I'm in a cave, so like maybe not. I was like, maybe I should turn on some lights or something. Now that now right. that the sun's set, I'm like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> it it does look like you, it doesn't look like there's like a fire illuminating yeah. your face right does now. Does it look okay? Yeah. Should I just leave it? Does it look intimidating? No, you're fine. Like it looks cool. No, you're fine. No, it's yeah, dope. It, it looks like you're about to game. tell like a really creepy story. That's awesome. <laughs> gather around, kids. <laughs> right, like, gather let me, around. Let me tell you, kids, kids what it's really like now. <laughs> right, yeah. Tell you the story of the steaming pie. <laughs> 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 let me tell you before uh, green light. No, yeah. Right. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So oh, so man. so um you know so uh, you know obviously you're like you know very influential in the um indie scene right and i know that in the past couple of years at least me at least i've i've heard a lot of for the first time at least for a gamer probably you know that's not in the industry i've heard like yeah. big criticism on steam like before it was like you know we all loved it and we were like everything's yeah. there and that's where we can get our indie games and our in our triple a games but i know you know, and, and like obviously there's like Disora and you know and uh, Ichio and good well, old now games. there's a million, yeah, yeah. A um, but I know that there's definitely been, you know, both AAA and indie devs that you know will either launch on other platforms, you know, like like uh, you know like uh, like Activision launching, you know, Destiny and Call of Duty on Blizzard, you yeah. know, and 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 like all of that stuff, um, you know. Do you think that it's good to have sort of a like a central hub for you know for your uh, sort of indie indie type games or or like do you think that it's better to have it kind of you know like back in the day you just had it in your different yeah. folders and you open them up and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. You know, like when I was first starting out, yeah, it was it was like a decent amount of time before Greenlight, and I mean the App Store was also different. There were a lot of indie developers who were mm. doing well on the App Store, and that was kind of like a thing where everyone was making mobile games for a little while. And like at some point, it just like so much new stuff started coming out, and so many new platforms, so many games, right? Like if you look back at like how many games used to be released on Steam a couple of years ago versus like how many are released. I mean, I'm just gonna make up a random number, but like you know, like ten games a month versus like a thousand or something. You know, it's like some yeah. really like yeah. it is really big crazy. Yeah. yeah, and like the discoverability issue is really 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 big problem for indie developers and so like then roles like us like curation roles have become incredibly important and there's a lot of these platforms that like are trying to solve the curation through like ai or through you know basically like technical means and i'm very much like hand curate hand curate hand curate because one of my friends has said it really well she's like you know you just know it when you see it kind of thing mm -hmm. and i, I don't mm -hmm. really feel like that's something that you can just kind of like program in you know like Facebook tried it and like now look at us. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um, and so like and you know, and another part of it is like it's good to have the competition, right? Because you don't want to have this thing that like people can't get on. But then for the people who get into the walled garden, it does really well for them, right? Like they, right? I, I right. don't know. So it's it's kind of, I, I'm not totally sure like how I kind of feel about it overall. Like the democratization of making games, I think is really awesome. Um, you know, having competition in the platforms is really awesome. But I think for a lot of indie devs, they're just like, well, now what do I do? You know, because it just used to be like, okay, I put it on this storefront or I put it here or I talk to this person. And now all of that has become so convoluted. Um, mm. But then I think it's making like for really interesting kind of like alternative marketing and grassroots. And like, that's why going to things like events are important. Um, 
Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's a complicated question. <laughs> yeah. I wish. I how, wish I knew. How, how connected are you to uh, to the local indie gaming scenes in in the major cities? I know that you know here in Chicago, uh, there is a. Um, oh crap! I, I, I just Bit, lost Bitbash. the name of the place. Bitbash. Yep. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Bitbash in here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Bitbash. I'm Bitbash now. Right, Bitbash exactly. Now I, you know, yeah, yeah. Bitbash is great. Uh, I was drinking too much bourbon. That's <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So, how connected are you guys to uh, some of the some of the larger, small indie? events that are going on around the country. Yeah, I'd say fairly well connected. I mean, people who organize events, there's not too many of them, you know, so you kind of like, and it's funny because we all, I think not everybody knows each other, but we all kind of know each other, but we're a bit busy. So it's like when you see each other, you're just like, yeah, I got you. Like, I know, I know what you do. I understand you're busy. Right, right. And then every once in a while, yeah, and then every once in a while you can kind of get together and like, uh, there was this university in um, Canada that did like a academic study on the mega booth and its community and they did two papers actually and then they held like an academic symposium about this idea of cultural intermediaries um which is something that Mm. they were like doing research on us for and it's basically like being able to speak multiple languages so like we can speak like the business language and then we can speak like the artistic indie developer language and then we can also speak this like you know publisher language or whatever um and so uh, they like had a whole symposium around that and they invited a lot of people who organize events or who do things that are in similar spaces. And like all of us were like, oh my God, we never get to sit in a room with each other, you know? Cause like nobody holds mm. conferences for people like us. Like everybody holds them for developers or for like, yeah, I don't know, you know, like business stuff or whatever. But, and so it was actually really nice to get us all in a room together. Cause like the, you know, and at some point you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, I've never spent more than like 20 minutes talking to another person who like, organizes an event that's similar to me because <laughs> they're always just like okay i know you're busy bye <laughs> right <laughs> we got so we've got to create we've got to create an event um for people like you yeah and we'll call it conference con conference con <laughs> i love that it sounds awful con that's con. the thing yes. oh, that sounds so yes. terrible that's the thing it sounds so boring yeah. yeah no one yes there are so, yeah. oh, that sounds so terrible. there's conferences yeah. for yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is the I, thing is yes. like when I talk to people who are going to start up their own conferences, a lot of them are like, I want to do it for a person like me, you know? Um, and I'm always like, well, right. who's your audience? Like, you know, are there 50,000 yeah. people like you that are going to show up to your thing at some point? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've never been oh. like, oh, I'm going to get all the organizers together. Maybe I should. No, you get, yeah, so you have Conference Con and you can. Uh, the most well organized conference in the whole world. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Amazing. It'll be, it'll be held, it'll be held in the reception area of a Howard Johnson. No way. On, it'll uh, be like Cayman Islands. Well, it'll right. be like, yeah, nice. no, it, it would be amazing. It would be so good. We'd oh, all yeah. be, shit. If you, if you put it in the Caymans and I want to yeah. go to Conference Con. You're going to put it in a dope place. I want to go. Yeah. Let's go yeah. to Conference Con. Yeah, it's not going to be somewhere where it's cold uh, and sad it's going to be warm right. and sunny and we're all just going to sit and talk and we're going to have cool oh, t-shirts right. exactly. and catered meals there'll be a the symposium yeah. yeah symposium called code switches for coders <laughs> so good yeah that'll be that'll be a whole other, that's a whole coders. other conference <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I like that. so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna take a quick break uh we're gonna let everybody get some water we're going to figure out where Conference Con is actually going to be held. Cayman Islands. Uh, and then we're going to take... <laughs> yeah, Cayman Islands. Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Before it, we just, before we, it goes we, away, yes, let's do it. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
and we'll be right back in two minutes. What's good, Internet? This is Austin Walker, a.k.a. Professor Killer, a.k.a. David Foster Flawless, a.k.a. Bars Von Trier. You already know what it is. And since you do, you should also already know that Spawn on Me keeps it real when it comes to games, culture, and holding it down even when the world is on fire. Welcome to Procopio, y'all. Welcome back, everybody, to the Spoiling Me Podcast, episode 248 of our show. What up, what up, what up? Thank you, everybody, to Podcast Land and in Twitch Land for hanging out uh, during the break. Uh, definitely cop a shirt. See if you like some merch. We got dope stuff coming, and we have some fun stuff coming uh, uh, very soon for a, a special show that we have coming up at uh, PAX there. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're rocking with Kelly Wallach from Indie Mega Booth. Uh, spitting dopeness uh, on the airways for everybody to hear. Um, I want to talk about, I want to jump right into the big show. I, I know that other folks think of E3 as the big show, but I think of for, for, for indies, for indie cats that PAX is kind of the big show. Yeah. I, I feel like that, that conference is the one that when people go to it, you have the most space. Probably you have a lot of folks, you have the public yeah. there who's super excited to be there. Um, and watch that stuff. Talk a little bit about what's going to happen for any mega booth at PAX this year. Uh, yeah, so PAX West, we're in our same spot. So we're on the fourth floor, which we're never giving it up because it's going to be so impossible <laughs> to get that spot right now. Like we got it, we got it way long ago. Um, yeah. Actually, one of my favorite things about it is that it's surrounded by walls on all sides. So when fans come into it, they get trapped and they have to walk through the whole thing. Uh, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite part. PAX East, they can run away from us. They can't. PAX West, they're trapped. Oh, nice. They got to look at everything. So that's the best cool. part about it. So we're doing that same thing again. Um, <laughs> and we're going to have um, our merch booth. And we work with uh, I'm 8-Bit. So I'm going to show off my, my shirt. This is our one from last year. I'm 8-Bit makes I such good shirt. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous yeah. they make such good yeah, stuff. Yeah, they do cool stuff. Um, yeah, so these are ours, and then they sell their cool I am 8-Bit um, awesome stuff. And we normally have hats, which are also super cool, like the flat brim hats, which look awesome. Yes. Um, so we'll have... I have one of those. Do you? That okay. I'm never giving I was gonna up. Say, I'm awesome. never giving yeah. that hat okay, up. Okay, good. That hat is so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're doing our merch booth and stuff again. Um, and then... Yeah, so we'll have the mini booth in the tabletop area. And so the mini booth area is like um, it's like a shared space between a lot of different kiosks. And so those tend to be kind of like weirder or more interesting games or smaller teams or just companies that kind of just don't want to deal with having like a whole big, you know, regular booth space. Um, and then we'll have our tabletop area. And the tabletop in the mini booth, we rotate the games in there. So there's different games on Friday and Saturday than there are on Sunday and Monday. Nice. So if you're at the nice. show and then you can come back, you can check out different games. Um, and then the regular booth spaces are just there for like for the entire time. So that's kind of all the. Oh, and then we're doing a panel, and then I'm on two panels aside from the panel that we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, before before we get to the panels yeah. part, I'm I'm showing I'm showing the video of the montage of all Yay. the games that are going to be <laughs> showcased in the mega booth, the mini booth, and the tabletop space. Yeah. How many How many games in total? Oh my God, I don't know. Five million. 
<laughs> if five million games in total, it's gonna be seventeen million yeah, games. Yeah, seventeen in total. million games. Um, no, I think it's around like ninety. <laughs> yeah, wow. But that's still a lot of games. Yeah. Holy shit! Well, it's so many. Yeah. Games. Well, because we do, we rotate the games in the mini booth and the tabletop areas, and some companies show multiple games, and so the the games tend to be a little higher than the amount of um, teams and stuff. But yeah, it's still a lot of right. stuff. <laughs> It's good though. I think so, like it's a solid like it's a solid couple days of going through and like checking out everything, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. Like the 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 best part about the booth and and I love how you when you had the montage video up, you like show the game and you exa- you show exactly where they're going to yeah. be in in the booth itself, yes. which is super yeah. dope. It's super yes. super cool. But I, I feel like it's always been a thing that uh whenever I go and see the booth, I always am like turned around by something else that I see out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. Is it is it how does it kind of work when you is it one of those things where it's like you got folks who are like fighting for space they're like I want the corner spot I want the I want this piece I want that part is is it something where when you're doing the curation of the booth itself as well that you're like I want this to flow in a specific way so that everyone kind of gets some love yeah I was gonna say we solve that problem by not giving people the option to pick where their booth space is and we do it <laughs> right. yeah, can you imagine asking like eighty people where they right. want to be. Yeah, no. Um, (laughs) But I mean, actually, so we used to kind of do it that way when it was a bit smaller. And then what changed it actually was when we first showed that dragon cancer. Um, I was like really mindful of like, how are we actually going to physically show this game in an environment that's like, you know, pretty jazzy. And like, I really like we were showing Crypt of the Necrodancer around the same time, too. And I was like, I do not want Crypt of the Necrodancer next to that dragon cancer. Like it would just be an offensive nightmare. Um, And so like we were so we ended up putting it like kind of in a back corner. And there was like a a space that we have set aside for like storage stuff, which was actually kind of a quiet area where people could go if they like got too overwhelmed. And like the guy who was showing it was also like, I need to like sit for a bit. And then we had like a lot of the like kind of more quiet, like interactive fiction or thoughtful games like around it. And then we had like mm-hmm. kind of like the louder dancey stuff. And so we, we are actually pretty particular about like the flow and like imagining the flow of like how people are going to perceive it as they're walking through. And then also taking into consideration like something like a local multiplayer co-op game or a VR game is going to have like a lot of like crowd and like stuff going on around it. And so those tend to get right. on like corners or where there's aisles or something because they physically need the right. space like for the traffic flow. I mean, it, at PAX West, it gets pretty gets pretty bad anyways i think the enforcers spend most of their time just being like move move um. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah now since like you're probably i'd imagine just running around during these things from panels to making sure everything like you know is actually staying stable do you get a chance to actually interact with the fans you know or like are you always kind of just running back and forth trying uh, to, try to handle yeah. things i mean fans not so much like uh mindy mega booth is kind of one of those like i always say it's kind of like insider baseball you know like we in the industry people really know us and really love us and at pax we have fans you know and and those are like we're starting to like try to grow our consumer audience um and so like we started a mailing list that's like you know specifically for people that are fans of indie games and fan of the indie mega booth and that's something that we're going to start growing in the next year or so but like I'd say, like, the kind of, the average, like, fan goer, you know, doesn't really know, like, who I am or who the Mega Booth is. Although I have, like, run into people in the bathroom and they're just like, oh, you know, what are you here for? And I'm like, oh, I run the Mega Booth. They're like, oh, my God, I love it, you know? Um, (laughs) So I've definitely, like, gotten it before. But I'd say fan-wise, like, not so much. Developer-wise, like, I will normally spend a lot of time during the setup going around and saying hi to people and introducing myself. Um, And the the rest of the team interacts a lot um, with the developers and Mm -hmm. stuff as well, too. Um, but like I said, the community's kind of gotten big 
and it's like as much as I want to like say hi and like get to know everybody really well like I think I probably know more than they know about me at some point because I've been looking at their game and like you know right. I get feedback on who they are and da, da, da. even if I don't get a chance to like talk to them I'm like I know who you are <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> I got you <laughs> that's great yeah. that's great when so what's the so I know that some years there have been a theme or at least kind of yeah. the idea of a theme mm-hmm. is there is there one this year as well yeah, our one this year is cyberpunk. So like the Ooh. yeah, so earlier in the year it was like like actual future cyberpunk. So like like modern day cyberpunk, you know. And then yeah. the one for this one yeah. is what people in the '80s thought cyberpunk was going to be like in the future. Right. <laughs> oh, that's dope. Yeah. yeah. So like, this is like Blade Runner type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Like old Blade so, Runner instead of new Blade Runner. Which yeah. Is oh, oh yeah. I, I, I assumed we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Old Blade Runner, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. The, the actual Blade Runner. We don't talk yes. about the other one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, and I already have a theme that I want to do for next year. I'm actually super into, like, art and visual design and, like, the aesthetic of things. Like, the t-shirts are actually kind of big deal for me because, so, like, when I had said when I was first starting out, um, you know, like, just everybody I knew, all the guys just wore video game t-shirts, like, all the time. And they were just ugly mm-hmm. and they were stiff and, like, they're like, it was free and they just keep it forever and wear it. And that's, like, their <laughs> game developer <laughs> uniform. And I was like, I do not want right. to see my boyfriend wearing these ugly ass video game t-shirts so it's like i'm gonna make a nice soft video game t-shirt that i don't feel bad touching and then also like has a cool design on it so it's like been my whole thing is i'm like i want game developers to dress better and so i'm like doing it one t-shirt at a time um and so like we're pretty like like we try not to make them look so like hey it's video game kind of thing and like have like some kind of like fun with it and like play around with like art and design um you know and in some ways like like this t-shirt like i've had people like just stop me and be like oh what is that from and i'm like oh it's my company you know instead of people like just being like oh video games (laughs) (laughs) i don't want that video game shirt why does that look like that still like that still blows me away that just like i don't know i talk to people you know kind of outside the industry and they're still just like oh video games those are for kids and i'm just like still are we still oh yeah oh absolutely still we're still on that Fortnite made yeah. nine billion dollars, and everyone in the world. Actually, it probably made more than nine billion dollars. I made up a big number. It probably made more than that. <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, what's a big crazy number? They made that yesterday. I get, you, well, you know what? I, that's a that's a good that's a good jumping off point, really quick. Because yeah. I, I, what's the biggest misconception about the indie space right now? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I think it has to do like with games in general. Like, I I think that. Indie developers and the games that they make, I don't think matches the kind of idea that people have of like gamers and like this kind of really like, like gatekeepy, unwelcoming, bro culture-y kind of like thing that people have ideas about games. Like indie developers aren't like that. And generally the people who tend to like indie games are generally not like that. Like our community is awesome. And like the fans who come to PAX are super welcoming and they're really diverse, you know, like I, I think super highly of like of all the people that are involved in like the indie space and the stuff that we do. And I think that that's really cool. And it's almost kind of like unique, I think, to a lot of industries, you know, like, I don't know, I don't, I guess, I mean, I've never been in the music industry or film industry or something, but it doesn't seem like it's so kind of like, hey, we're all working together because like, we all love doing this kind of thing. Like, it seems it's a little more like mm. cutthroat, I guess, but maybe that's just my perception yeah. of it. Yeah, it, it feels like the, the indie space consistently and constantly is always you know there's this infighting in every group of, of yeah. people that you have but it feels like people when it's time to like you know pull up your your boots and get ready to do some dirt work 
then like folks are like willing to do that work and also like help out folks who are younger than them or less experienced or or any of that stuff um that being that being a part of the space has always felt really really nice yeah i mean there's Um, definitely yeah i mean there's definitely a long way to go in like tech and game stuff in general you know as far as like increasing diversity in communities and all that sort of stuff you know like that's part of a a bigger conversation but like i think a lot of the initiatives and a lot of the good stuff that i that i feel positive about the tech industry growing forward to me is originating in the indie space or at least it's like it's kind of heart is there in some way um yeah and i would actually kind of say another like misconception too is i think and i think it's just a maturity level of the industry i think like there's less of the kind of like yeah you have to eat ramen and live in your basement and like make this game and suffer for your art kind of thing like i feel like there's a little bit more of like okay like we understand that you're a human being and like you need to be eating and living and you know if you got a house or kids or something like that like you can't just give it all up and run away and make a video game out in the middle of nowhere kind of thing and so i think there's like that's still kind of like the idea i think or like this kind of concept of what the indie developer is and like there definitely are people that do that but i don't think it's like expected in the same way you know it's like nobody's kind of like pointing at you and being like you know you made money (laughs) (laughs) ew you made money and you got to you got to feed yourself and live in a house yeah Yeah, um yeah so what what uh you said um kind of makes you think about um you know um, one other topic that I hear that I've heard a lot about for years, but I've heard about a lot kind of lately, which I guess you hear mostly about in the AAA space, which is like crunch, you know, yeah. like, uh, mm. and I don't think, uh, at least I don't think about it when it comes to the indie space, because as you said, there's sort of this assumption that it's just like, you just disappear and eat ramen. So it's kind of like nonstop yeah. crunch. Cause you just yeah. kind of, kind of like give over like your life to it with this, like, one yeah. person team or two person team. Yeah. Um, is that something that you've seen as a, you know, as, as sort of the mainstream like discussion of, uh, well, the, uh, tr- the, uh, AAA yeah. di- discussion of uh, crunch has been going on. Have you seen that kind of mirrored in the indie space as well? Those yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of like, I think there's a lot more acceptance of like self care stuff and having work life balance. I will say, I think the thing with crunch in indie stuff is it's a little less imposed from like a hierarchical sense, you know, like where AAA is like, okay, like you're going to do this and you just have to, or you're going to like lose your job kind of thing. I think it mm-hmm. tends to be more like in the entrepreneurial sense. And like, this is a thing that I struggle with, right? Is that like, it's, it's your company, it's your baby, it's your thing. And like, you feel like you can never work hard enough and never work long enough. And like, and also like you enjoy it, you know, like when I was working at MIT, I was working insanity hours and I fucking loved it. You know, like I was just, I was so into it and I was really crazy about it, but like, you know, and I've been having to get better at that. And one of my advisors had actually said something interesting to me about like, a lot of times people use their their company as a substitute for relationships or like a relationship in their life and like sure. i think that's sure. totally valid no. you know like I it's agree. it's yeah. pretty much like my entire existence and my whole identity is wrapped up into it you know and like you're thinking about it even if you don't want to be thinking about it it's still kind of like you know yeah. in your subconscious it's sure. going and so mm-hmm. i think the crunch oh, yeah. that comes with the indie stuff is a bit more of that and it's kind of like this core deep emotional crunch you know like or your like self identity <laughs> and worth and like you know, if your parents love you kind of thing is like all tied up in like how much you're working and a little less of someone being like, you have to because we got to ship this game at this time kind of thing, you know? So I, I think that there's a lot of that. And I, I do see the conversations, or at least I definitely have the conversations individually with people on like, how do they deal with that? And how do they balance it? And how do they set their companies up to be sustainable and like, you know, real for everybody to be able to work on? 
Um, yeah. And so I, I think that 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 conversation definitely happens a lot. And like I mentor other people who like run their own companies, and like I'm mentored by other people, and like that's I think that's a kind of like a, a you run your own company <laughs> problem, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, man. All right. So we've got, uh, you know, not a lot of time left. I want to get some important things out. Uh, there was a question in the chat about, uh, and for those people in Chicago that won't be able to make it to PAX West, uh, this year, but want some of that really sweet merch that the Indie Mega booth has, is it uh, possible to order it online? Uh, so we don't have anything set up right now to do online ordering, but if you really want okay. it, please email contact at Indie Mega Booth, and we will just send you one. We'll we'll figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, I want more people. Oh, I right. want more people to wear the shirts. We're actually we're gonna hopefully yeah. redo our website soon, and so that will be part of it. But yeah, if somebody wants to wear them, please please email us, and we'll get you a t shirt. Right on, right <laughs> on. All right, All right. Uh, and and one other question. Uh, this is an important one, Kelly. Okay. Uh, apparently. You were supposed to buy tickets for Jay-Z uh, Jay and Beyonce for the Carters. I did. Did you? Yes, I did. Actually, so my, my best <laughs> my best friend bought them, and we're going to go see her at the end of September. That's... Is this from the Rank It panel? Because I'm actually going to like write up a statement about why Beyonce should be number one on the Rank It panel. I got a whole Sweet. fucking thing. Okay. And then somebody <laughs> from the Bayhive came up afterwards and was like, basically, like he did a question. He was like, everybody who... like you know, doesn't think Beyonce should be number one, like come and meet me in the Westin. And he came up afterwards and he's like, Beyonce's <laughs> fabulous. I'm so glad that you brought her up. I was like, yeah, Bayhive. <laughs> it's like they're everywhere. <laughs> shout out, shout out to consuming lipids who asked that question in the chat. Yeah. And said, that he, said that he was the person who said that. Oh my God. I'm, said that, I'm uh, so, we actually, in our Slack channel for the mega booth, we have Beyonce emojis. We have a sleigh one and we have a single ladies <laughs> and like a, a formation fantastic. one with the, with the hat and the braids nice. and everything. Nice. Right. That's awesome. Is, Thank you for that asking that amazing. question. That was the best question of the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. We'll no do offense. this. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely yeah. done. Consuming with this and, and, and Cicero on that one. So, so we have to let you go because I know you have lots of things. Plus, it is now from the way it looks, it looks like the witching hour. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> We've been up all night toiling We've away. We've been up all night. Yes, exactly. But you have a lot of stuff happening yes. at PAX this year. Yeah. There's a lot of things happening. Besides, uh, and I'll talk about some games that I, that I really like that I'm excited about at another point. But um, you have a lot of things going on. You have, let's see, you have the Rank It panel yes. with, with, my, with my boy, my boy Lang, yeah. Dave Lang and, and, and The one and, and only. <laughs> Nice. One, one and only. That's going to be yeah. on Saturday, three thirty to four thirty in the Hippograph Theater. So everyone in the chat and everyone listening at home, write these down. And all the Bayhive, um, so the Bayhive show up. Back me up on the Bayhive. Rank It panel. <laughs> Bayhive show. Up. If we can get Beyonce to your panel, then holy then you win. shit! Oh my god, that would be the best thing. You ever literally happened. win packs at that yeah, point. Yeah, I would win yeah, everything. Yeah. I would just quit video games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go and do conference. You have <laughs> Conference con. Yeah. Well, yes. she, she, can, she can fly us all to Fiji. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, really. We have the Canceling Ap Apocalypse panel, The World is Totally on Fire. That's going to be on Sunday at 7.30 to 8.30 in the Sandworm Theater. That's going to be that's gonna be super awesome. Yeah, it's like an uh, improv escape room live. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, man, I might need, I might need to, yeah, need it's gonna to be go good. over and yeah. check that out. Sean Baptiste is on it, too. Um, I don't know if oh, you guys know him. Yeah, yeah he's Sean awesome. Baptiste. I love him. Yeah, he's yeah, I mean, the, the panels that you're on currently are, are pretty damn dope. You have a lot of really fun folks on these yeah, panels Yeah, they're well. really good. And then another one, and we have a really good guest on that one. 
Yeah, we have another. <laughs> we have we have one more. Yeah. We have one more that I can that I can see, and that is the Indie Mega Booth Building Bridges and Breaking Barriers panel. That's on Sunday at five p.m. Hippograph Theater. It's going to be you, Abby Happy, uh, Julian, and Ika uh, from Outer Outer Loop, and uh, creative director and product manager from Beautiful Glitch. Um, and yours truly will be moderating that Yay! panel. What up? What up? Nice. What up? What up? Yeah. So we get a chance to we get a chance to hang out again. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much PAX. for doing that. By the way, that's awesome. I'm really excited. To get I mean, I get a chance to hang with you. Yeah. That's that's all I need. Aww. That's all I need. Um, Sounds great. So a lot of stuff is happening at PAX. If there's any last things that you want to let folks know about Indie Mega Booth, about the PAX show, um, you have the floor. Um, so yeah, so you should follow us on Twitter. So it's at Indie Mega Booth. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, if you go to our website, IndieMegaBooth.com, um, especially for those of you that aren't going to be able to make it to the show, we have information about all of the games and trailers and links and all that. So you can find out more about it. Um, and you can also sign up for our mailing list there, uh, which we've been starting to use to let folks know like when our games launching, like what shows are we going to be at, what cool stuff is happening. Um, if you want a t-shirt, email contact at Indie Mega Booth and we will figure out how to get you a t-shirt. Um, all that fun stuff. And then if you're at PAX, you can come by the headquarters and just say hi to us in person and then see all the cool games. So I think, right and come to the panels. Yes, come yeah. to the panels because yes. the panels are going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the panels the, are going to be fun. I, I know the, 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 uh, the uh, Rank It one is always super fun. Too. Uh, I love one that is panel, like yeah. Always hilarious and always, always a lot of fun. Yeah, that's good. Kelly, thank you so, so much yeah. for coming through thank tonight. You. Yeah, this is so great. I'm so happy we finally got a chance to have you on the show. Please come back on because it would be a lot of fun if you'd come back on yeah. in the future. I'll do that. Uh, we'll, di we'll dig into some more stuff about uh, uh, chemicals. <laughs> and about, about, because I want to know about that stuff oh, too. I, that get, I, you know, I don't get to talk about it much anymore, so I would totally go off about yeah, it. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> dig talk, into some of that. Yeah, we definitely got to talk some science stuff. That's kind of what I do. Yes. On a, that's my business. Oh, that's awesome. Stuff, what so field are you in? Totally uh, I do math and physics. Uh, oh, math and physics so people are great. Totally One of my first some... roommates was a math and physics person. So yeah, yeah, so we could totally do some overlap. Oh my god, that's so, great! Are you gonna be at PAX? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm gonna be at DragonCon that weekend. Oh, actually, okay. I won't be at um, so he's for, too cool to come. So uh, for the yeah. so for the listeners, actually, I'll be posting my DragonCon schedule soon. I'm just waiting for them to give us the official okay. But I'm gonna be on a bunch of science-related panels. Some on oh, like so great. there's like one. There's that one called the Wakanda Science Institute. Awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and they're going to be about um, the other ones generally deal with science in like education and science and pop culture and movies. So um, I'll be posting the exact times and all that stuff um, pretty soon. So if, if you won't be at PAX and you're in ATL, um, you know, definitely uh, check me out. And I also have an awesome cosplay, which I will not be spoiling because it's too dope oh um, damn it so uh oh. it will be awesome so check me out so while you're doing that and if you are going to be at pax when you are not at one of kelly's panels you should definitely <laughs> come through and come hang out at our 250th show we have yes. our panel dropping saturday september the 1st 4 30 sandworm theater come through throw your biscuits in the air we will have some stuff for you if you roll through it will be blessing adioye uh, Junior from OK Beast and also Dave Hunt, aka Grand Pooh Bear, one of the dopest cats on the planet in the speed running world, rocking the stage with yourself, with yourself, with myself, <laughs> with your, yeah, with yourself, with myself and Cicero Holmes. 
uh, hanging out, doing all that stuff. So it's a very hey, special me. show. It's that guy. It's a very special <laughs> show. Uh, it is very cool that we're going to have our 250th show at PAX live in front of yeah. a studio audience, as they used to say back in the day. So, everybody, yes. thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. Hit them with the social media business, Cicero, please. Uh, just because you said please, I will do so. Before <laughs> I do so, uh, uh-huh. Reef is going to be in the ATL. Uh, someone near and dear, a Bracagoan that we know and love, is also in the ATL. That is Daniel Moore, aka Danimus Prime. Yes. And today is his birthday. So happy birthday, happy birthday Dan. Dan! Big happy birthday, birthday shot man. to Danimus. Yeah, love you. <laughs> yeah. Love you so, fam. Uh, yeah. So, uh, social media business is as follows. You want to follow us? Go to all of your social media platforms. Type in Spawn on Me. You can find us there. If you want to follow us individually, just check the bios. All our information will be in there. SpawnOn.me is the website you can find this episode and all of our past episodes. All the stuff that we're doing, like PAX West, right there on SpawnOn.me. Catch us every Thursday night, 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific, right here on Twitch.tv slash SpawnOnMe. If you miss us there, find your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday, starting the following Tuesday, to catch this episode and all of our episodes. Uh, and if it's a place where you can rate and review, please do so in your podcatcher. And obviously subscribe and tell your friends. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. And if you want to level up your Bracagoness and level up your listening ship, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash spawn on me and donate as little as a dollar a day or a dollar a day, a dollar a month or a dollar a day. Either way, it doesn't matter. Oh. Um, I'm Sally Struthers now. Is that a tier? Um, is that a tier and, on our uh, Patreon? Right, yes. For a dollar a day, you can help. W. Stan Bird for a dollar a day. Yes, you can feed a Bracagoan. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. A dollar, you know, as little as a dollar a month will get you all of our episodes plus our extra episodes like Spawn on Me After Dark and will help us to do things like go to places like PAX West. Um, So we really appreciate that. And if you have a message that is greater than whatever the character limit is on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you want to send us an email, go to Spawn on Me Podcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Nicely, nicely done. Again, okay. thank you everyone here in Twitch Land and Podcast Land. Kelly, thank you again yes. for rocking with us. And everybody, we will see you all next week with more dopeness coming at you. Peace, peace, and more peace. Peace. Peace.